Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and skillies. I'm your host, Lud Melanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Striker, yep. Math Machine, and Lucky Evie. Today is our 21st episode, and we're discussing 2001's The Fairly Odd Parents episode, Nighty Night. So, let's get things started. Yep. So, Butch Hartman was originally an animator who was kicking around various jobs. He worked with a, a good friend of his, Seth MacFarlane, on Johnny Bravo. So he is directly responsible for giving us uh, Fluffy the Werewolf. And in oh, fact, dear. Dr. Hartman on The Family Guy is named after Butch. So that's nice. a nice little bit of trivia. Nice. So, yeah, The Fairly Odd Parents started off as a series of shorts on Oyer Cartoons, which was a Nickelodeon show that basically served as pilots for various cartoons. Of it, only three got picked up. Chalk Zone, of uh, this, Fairly Odd Parents, and, of course, My Life as a Teenage Robot. All of which nice. were three really good shows. And, and, Rob- and, fun fact, same person, one of the same people who also worked on uh, uh, Samurai Jack and a uh, sort of uh, one-shot spinoff of The X-Files. I forget yep. what it's called. Rob Renzetti, yep. Yep, uh, Rob Renzetti. Legendary animator who worked on that show several times. Yeah, he also worked on Gravity Falls. Yeah, yeah, Very he neat. worked on Friendship is Magic. He's worked on pretty much every bit of animation. But, yeah, the, I actually like Of Fairly Odd Parents. I actually, re-watching the entire show, because I did that during, you know, uh, COVID and that, just w- spend time, I actually kind of liked the Oya cartoon shorts. Uh, probably not the best, but I feel like it actually had the most amount of potential I like that Cosmo and Wanda had more of a loving relationship. Cosmo had like a suave game show host voice, which is actually kind of funnier than the voice that he had in the actual show. And I know it just felt like the original shorts had something to them. Maybe it was the fact that they were hand drawn compared to how they were, uh, I think, selling them with the actual show. But I really feel like the Oya cartoon shorts had kind of a nice warmth to them. Now, with that yeah. being said, the actual show itself, Really Odd Parents, it was pretty good. For the first couple, two, maybe three seasons, it was definitely a fun time. It had pretty good writing. The animation uh-huh. was, for the time, it was pretty decent and it still holds up to today. You know, say what you will about, you know, Butch Hartman, but the man knows character design and background design, and it's very well done. Uh, Fairly Odd Parents, for a while, it was probably Nickelodeon's third most successful show at the time after uh rugrats and spongebob squarepants mm. of course spongebob would later become number one leaving fairly odd parents in the second place position until it declined later on but we'll get to that what's interesting about it, uh, a little bit of a tangent in europe and in several countries uh in europe including spain fairly odd parents aired on disney channel and there's an interesting reason for that international distribution of fairly odd parents was done by the animation company nelvana who are best known for their Canadian works. They also made the really underrated, cool movie, Rock and Rule. Check it out. Mm. But they had distribution rights to Fairly Odd Parents overseas. And they had a mm. deal with Disney that they would distribute all of their you know, uh, acquisitions on the Disney Channel. So Fairly Odd Parents was not a Nickelodeon show because Nelvana, I think, owned everything from 
the pilot up to channel chasers. That's where the cutoff was. But you better believe they reran those episodes on Disney Channel, and it was very <laughs> successful for our time. It's good. So that's that when is. that is very that is. interesting, and yeah, a little bit of a neat history trivia there. Yeah, that's pretty surprising, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, finally getting to the episode proper, we first get a glimpse of our titular uh, dragoness on the title card. And like I say, whether it's a dragoness or not is up for debate. The reason I'm actually including it on this episode is because the official Fairly Odd Parents wiki in that claims that this dragon is female. That is why we're covering her. Yeah, now, dubious that as the wiki is, I it's guess all that's dubious, good but it's, Yeah, if they said it is, you know, we count it. That's how it goes. All so right. the episode starts off in a pretty common trope for cartoons, especially at the time, a Renaissance fair. I have never been to one. I don't know if you, any of you guys have been. I have. I have not a few times. But I, think I have not. I would love to, though. Yeah, it's yeah. not really a thing over here, I think, as much as, like, say, other places. They're so, really yeah. fun if you've never been. Yeah, I definitely have to check one out. Hopefully I, I can see one, because it sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's my sound. yeah they're, they can I be fairly interesting. Local ones. I have a yeah. couple of local ones. I wouldn't mind uh, seeing it because, like, I've wanted to swing a sword around. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of it is. It's a fantasy of, you know, basically being yeah. in that time period. And the episode itself points out how a lot of them are cash grabs, which are pretty funny. And we'll get to that in a second. But oh, that, actually remi- that actually reminds me. Apparently yeah. at one quote unquote Ren Fair, I saw people dressed up as pirates and like one of them, no joke, had a freaking katana. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Someone took uh, a katana to a Renaissance oh fair. Wrong as a pirate. Holy sorry. If what? Oh man, I don't know what medieval fa- fantasy anime would go well with that whole One Piece shtick. But honestly, I, just it would take be your pick. It would be really, really awesome. <laughs> exactly, I'd say either Black yeah. Clover, Berserk, or maybe, maybe, or maybe well, Fairy Tail. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, getting back to the actual episode, there's a pretty uh, funny dark gag right off the bat where Timmy says about, you know, oh, I want to go to the Renaissance Fair, and all the people are dressed, you know, medieval stuff, and there's a guy in, like, you know, the old-fashioned pillocks, and there's a guy right next to him dressed as an executioner, which, you know, pretty dark gag, pretty cute. There's a... Fairly odd parents were not afraid to get a little bit, you know, adult or a little bit dark with their humor at times. That was a little... Yeah, no kidding. I mean, for crying out loud, they start... They did the, the previous episode, Mighty Mom and Dino Dad, with uh, freaking. Uh, they did a Galactus thing. Yeah, pretty much. parody, and that was oh, when, yeah. when Marvel was pretty obscure. So, aside from something like you know Spider Man, that just <laughs> reference something like you know Galacticus and like the Wonder Twins, they definitely did and the Silver Surfer. Yeah, Silver Surfer, all of that. So yeah, uh, Tara Strong, uh, of course, is the voice of Timmy Turner. She's also mm-hmm. Twilight Sparkle and. Basically has done every single cartoon in the past 40 years, let's be real. You could probably throw a stone in a pile of, you know, and cartoon DVDs, and you're more likely going to hit one that has Tara Strong in it than not. And she really is a fantastic voice actress because she always makes her characters distinct from each other. You know, mm-hmm. and I really feel that in, like I say, in actually all the voice actors at this period of the show... The show hadn't really gone downhill yet, so you can kind of tell that Kazo isn't as much of a screeching idiot as he would become later on. 
So that's absolutely good. dear God. Yeah, that that sort on, of almost ruined the show for me. Oh, oh, it the show got way worse, and we are definitely going to talk about that later on because wow, mm. the Fairly Odd Parents are one like the biggest. It was a one note idiot in, in animation history. I mean, it just oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the jokes about the Ren Fair being a cash grab is a fun one. Stuff like, you know, the knight being there just to point out the bathrooms. The wizard is like some kind of a cheesy salesman selling a cleaning product. And the dragon is just a dog with like a giant rubber mask that's too big for it. So it just falls off all the time. It's, mm. it's pretty good. You know, it shows like the reality yeah. of the situation. Absolutely. And uh, of course, Timmy's parents show up. And one thing that I did not know until recently, especially because in the dub they didn't, they had the same voice actors as Cosmo and Wanda. Nice. Which is a really nice touch. Oh, and that I, is neat. Yeah, I did not know that until actually researching it a while back. <laughs> so yeah, there's a nice little uh, callback with Timmy's dad buying the cleaning wizard spray and doing the exact same sales pitch, which is cute. And them dressed as a cow seems like a random gag, but it's surprisingly <laughs> plot relevant. So the thing oh, with yeah. Odd Parents, it has the same kind of story as something like uh, this is the immediate comparison to so much so that I wonder if Butch might have taken it from it. It's not like Doraemon in a way and that, you know, you have the kid who wants to solve a problem and he has like a wish or in Doraemon's case an invention that can solve his problems. So this basically has Timmy wishing that he could be in the Middle Ages. So they grant the wish and it turns into the 15th century and one thing with Butch is that his art style works really well because the backgrounds have a nice storybook vibe to it that I think it might just be, you know, the way he draws. But in this case, it really works out well. Sometimes, like some of his other works, it's kind of a hindrance more than a boon. But here, I really feel that it works. And the other thing that's interesting is that the episode is now turns into a spoof of the Arthurian legends and the Sword and Stone in particular. You mean yeah. like and, Holy Grail? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that too, that Come too. On. Come on! It's only a model. <laughs> it's a silly place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a silly yeah, place. Yeah, you're, you're on the, if you're on the internet long enough, you will hear a group of at least three or more people break out into a Holy Grail reference. Let's be real. Absolutely. Oh, Speaking yeah. of Holy Grail... There was this one time where my dad was uh, going, went to a uh, performance of the Holy Grail, and like one of the actors apparently did not, re uh, uh, could, like halfway through the show, could not remember the line, so he just broke out a random song and he improvised. And oh man, it was like nights of it never gonna give. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds uh, Improvise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah, they had the character of uh, the evil, you know, dark knight in that. Although in this case, he's dressed in gold. And you know, he has like the big grandiose house, and his name is Sir Finkelberg, which is a funny thing. And then, of course, Finkelberg. I wonder if it was a reference Finkelberg, Dinkelberg, an ancestor, whatever. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. There's one joke that I think is really just funny, and it's surprisingly really, you know, something so quick and subtle, but it's really cute, where Timmy's basically mocking him and saying, oh, yeah, what kind of a stupid name is that? And then and then he just gets crushed by the giant horse, and then Timmy pops up, wow, cool, I just got crushed by Sir Finkelberg himself. It's like, somebody, <laughs> I did not expect it to go that way, but it really worked out. He kind of looks a little like Terry Thomas a little bit. The uh, mm. British actor who was a comedian in like the 60s and 70s. He had a gap tooth. He was in a lot of movies. But mm. it's not basically the only uh, 
celebrity character we're going to talk about in this episode. So Timmy's parents are captured by the dragon because they're still in their, you know, uh, stupid cow costume because they thought it was a state fair, not a renaissance fair, which, again, another good joke. So the dragon's uh, purple coloring. One thing that's interesting is when you see a lot of dragons on Fairly Odd Parents, they are this shade of color. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but when it does happen, they typically have either like a crimson red or like that kind of purple shading. Now, this isn't the first time a dragoness has appeared on Fairly Odd Parents because Vicky turned into a dragoness in the Fairy Flu episode, which is a short on Oyer cartoons, and we are probably going to talk about it sometime in the distant future. There'll oh, be, be a compare and contrast between the Oyer cartoon shorts and the actual show we become. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, so, yeah. The uh, dragoness here has more of a rotund design with its fangs pretty much uh, constantly sticking out. And its horns do kind of remind me a little bit of Ludmilla with the striping. Granted, no way was it mm. uh, an intentional reference, but it is something that I noticed. And th like I said earlier, the reason that we're discussing this, even though there is nothing to be said about the dragon, you know, gender in the episode or anything like that, it is stated to be female on like the official wiki. So we're going by that. So if mm. it's wrong, don't blame us. Blame uh, you know, fandom.com. Exactly. Yeah, blame the wiki. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And of course, uh, one thing that's interesting, because Butch's art style, uh, he tends to reuse a lot of these similar designs, not so much with the body, but the shape does look a lot like Princess Dorothea, Dorothea, sorry, from Danny Dorothy, Phantom. yeah. Yeah, which we are going to discuss later on this year, so we'll talk about her a lot more and Danny Phantom as a whole. But I'm just going to say right here, right now, putting on the table, best Butch Hartman show was Danny Phantom. Even though it, too, kind of fell off in season three, I think oh, well. it really had the most amount of potential. And when it was good, it was really good. It was Butch actually trying to stretch his wings with a little bit of, you know, action, heroism and that. And he did a he did a pretty good job. Let's be real. He did a good job for a guy who mostly was known for comedy. It's no Samurai Jack or anything, but... For Nickelodeon, it really is a different kind of cartoon than what they were usually putting out. That is very much true. Oh, but yeah, man. now, uh, but yeah, now, uh, getting back to this, uh, Timmy's parents are as oblivious as ever, which was basically their whole characterization for most of the show. Even when the show got bad, they still kind of remain like this. So, thankfully, their characters didn't really go downhill too much although they were more caring which of course they got rid of entirely as the show went on but oh, again we'll talk about that later so yeah the part where the uh, sword in the stone is done like a game show is again a really funny concept and that's the thing with the philly odd parents even the good seasons which are probably like seasons one two i'd say three maybe a little bit of four but most likely it's seasons one to three it, it can be hit or miss but when the show was good, it was good. I mean, uh -huh. a lot of these jokes land, and you could tell that, you know, the writing staff behind this, they knew what they were doing. They had the uh, one part where, of course, Sir Finkelberg tries to pull the sword out of the stone, and he, he dislocates his shoulder, and the uh, jester host like, you know, oh, let's give him the home game. And it's like a tiny, you know, Excalibur and like a and tiny thing. He tries game. pulling it out, and he breaks his finger. I remember finger. that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's yeah. what I should, so, so, it's so stupid, but yet yeah, it's just it's so mean spirited. Like they give him a 
the, even the pity pride is like against him. Like, <laughs> and he breaks his finger with it. I mean, that, that is just something so, so ridiculous. But now, of course, we get to see Merlin and Arthur, who are, let's put it this way, very different from Sword in the Stone version of them. Merlin is kind of a con artist, and because of this, he has the voice of one of my favorite comedians, Phil Silvers. And if you don't know Phil Silvers, you you probably do know him because his voice has been imitated by uh, thousands of cartoons like uh, Hanna-Barbera's Top Cat. That's Phil Silvers. If you've seen that, you know that's pretty much uh, what he does as comedic Hmm. shtick. Oh, damn. If I only remember the voice because I watched Top Cat when I was a kid. Yeah, Eh. yeah, but... But yeah, like I said, uh, he did the uh, Phil Silver show, which is a great sitcom, a lot of great movie appearances. Was very popular in England, surprisingly. But yeah, here he, the Merlin is clearly an imitation of him, and it works out really well for the character. Now, Arthur being like a nebbish, you know, almost, you know, actually almost shorter than Timmy, you know, nearsighted boy, is again another funny twist with like the yeah. weedy, nerdy voice he has, especially compared to what happens later on in the episode, which I'm not going to really spoil, but... It is probably the best, you know, one of the most unexpected, most hilarious moments, probably in the entirety of the Fairly Odd Parents. Let's be real. It is something that me and my friends quoted, and we will get to that shortly. But I will now, always quote that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, Timmy easily pulls out the sword and the stone with no effort, which, again, a pretty funny joke. Yeah. And then, and then the thing that is interesting, of course, we cut back to the Dragon's Cavern, which... Has a neat kind of red color palette. Granted, the rest of the background also does, but I don't know. Here, it kind of looks better than the rest of the episode. I feel like if they made, if they gave uh, the actual medieval times more of a naturalistic background, this would have looked a little bit better. As it stands, it's still a pretty uh, nice, uh, basically a nice uh, typical dragoness uh, lair. Now, the dragoness yeah. here really has no character, unfortunately. That it's is something that we're gonna, as they come. Yeah, yeah. That is something we're gonna run into as the podcast goes on. A lot of dragonesses are not there to have personality or character. They're really just there more as obstacles, and that pretty much sums up this one. In fact, uh, the dragon's uh, noises is just stock audio cues because there is no credit for it. At first, I thought, oh, maybe it's like Frank Welker or somebody, but no, it's just uh, stock sound effects. So. Oh, well then. Yeah, kind of a shame that they just use like a generic, uh, like the dragon's roar. You have probably heard that sound effect like almost hundreds of times in like cartoons and movies and video games and that. It's it's obviously from like an audio library, which again, kind of a shame. But then then we cut back to uh, Merlin and Arthur. Merlin's scheming to find the Holy Grail to bring greatness to Arthur. And Timmy easily finds it in a bush, which again is a funny thing. And we get a pretty good gag uh, from the uh, medieval peasantry. He is even more of a king than he was five minutes ago. Uh, oh again, my again. goodness! Yes, yeah. you could never, you know, you could never say against uh, Butch Hartman was that for for a while they had really sharp, really witty writing. It was uh, yeah. different than something like say something like SpongeBob, but it was still really a uh, well written show. Absolutely. Oh man. Oh yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, I also yeah, like this is. little gag where, where like they think it's real, and then all of a sudden they get burned, and that yeah, exactly like, that happens like, later on. I actually feel third degree burn. Ah! I know, and later on, yeah, I know, I know that that's a part of the 
thing that's interesting. And one thing that's funny is when they said, you know, oh, dragons are impervious to magic, I thought that was just, you know, Merlin making up something to get out of it. But it actually is a plot point, so kudos to them for actually going through with that and remembering that. Granted, this is like an 11-minute short, so... Also, still, that's a like little... basic continuity. Yeah. And it always is... Sorry. Also, it's a little dubious. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, I know it is. haven't exactly been the straightest, but yeah. Yeah, it, it, it seems more of like a way, oh, we got to find a way to write them out of the episode because otherwise they could just solve it in like an instant. That's something that the uh, Disney's Aladdin TV show also had kind of a problem with. They had to keep inventing ways to have the genie incapacitated or he couldn't just solve the whole issue in five seconds. Finding a so, way for him to be nerfed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They had, had to, to do nerf that. the genie. Exactly. <laughs> Two OP. Exactly. Exactly. Genie OP, oh. please nerf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you said, the part where uh, Timmy's dad is happy with you know thinking they're thinking like it's a carnival ride, and he's like so excited about actually having realistic burns on him is funny and. Like I said, that really, again, uh, Darren Norris, who plays uh, Timmy's dad, and of course, also plays Cosmo, he really, I feel, you know, Tara Strong is a great performer and all, but I feel like Darren Norris is the, you know, MVP of Fairly Odd Parents, and that he all is, the deliveries of Timmy's dad and Cosmo are just so pitch perfectly <laughs> done at, at this part, you know, in the show. Later on, of course, they become overly exaggerated in that, but for this moment in the show, I feel they did a pretty good job with it. He is the standout of the show. And there's another good gag. When Timmy throws the sword at the dragon and immediately freezes his parents, all the two was like, oh, well, that's just anticlimactic. It's like, I don't know if it's like meant to be like a breaking of the fourth wall, but it's another gag that really works out well. It's another Absolutely. Good <laughs> yeah. Of course, now we get to perhaps the most uh, mimetic part of the episode. And the one part of the episode everyone remembers, you know, Arthur is trying, is stumbled into the cave and he's stumbling around and he, Timmy gives Arthur his dad's glasses. And as soon that the second he puts him on, Arthur goes in like a weedy, short little kid. It's like a big, huge, muscular man still wearing these, you know, like almost nerdy glasses. <laughs> yeah. we have that, that classic, yeah. classic line, you know, yeah, I can see. Like Conan the Barbarian almost. And he gives his manly voice. Barbarian. Yeah. His manly voice is so over the top that it is absolutely hysterical. I mean, it yeah, just completely funny. comes out of nowhere throughout the entire episode. And yes. it, just, it, it it kills. It really does. It is yeah. so, so funny. And goes, Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the Bradley Baker for you. He really um, knows how to bridge that particular he's thing. He's funny. He is another fantastic voice actor in everything he's ever done. And this is another one of them. He does a Absolutely. really, really fantastic job with it. And there's another really dark joke where, you know, Timmy and his friends are watching the battle. And then, and then you know, Arthur falls out and he's just a skeleton. And then he, Timmy just stares in his series and they're like, well, we'll see what we could do. And they just revive him. And then, of course, he goes, I can breathe. I can breathe. Oh and, <laughs> and, and then yeah. he just runs right oh back to the cavern. And it, it, yeah, yeah. And, of course, the oh, battle man. is off screen, probably to save time and animation because Fairly Odd Parents, although a good show, 
it, it had decent animation, but not the best. Let's say this way. I feel like SpongeBob was a lot more fluid and a lot more uh, oh, well yeah, it animated. Was. It was. So this definitely was a way to probably keep the cost down because it couldn't afford like a giant battle. And basically the story, the episode ends with the storybook style of Timmy reading the story to his parents. And we get another funny like a uh, callback gag with Timmy's dad. You know, oh, that story was great, son. With these third degree birds and me losing my glasses, I can't hold or read that book. Which is another <laughs> hilariously dark line. Read that yeah. Book. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Merlin shows up alive and well in a Cosmo Wanda's fishbowl looking for a new gig. And yeah, that's the end of the episode. And yeah, it's a pretty good one. Probably one of the better Fairly Odd Parents episodes. It's probably up there with the season one, which I feel of the actual show. I feel like season one, early season two were the best. This is around that area, so this is when the show was still really, really good. Yep, of course, the Fairly Odd Parents would last for many, many years, and still going to this day, I think. No, no, it's no, not. It, 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 it ended. It ended, it, it ended oh. like about uh, five <laughs> years ago. But what happened is that uh, it just really started declining in popularity. The first thing they did was a uh, baby poof, which uh, really added nothing to the show. It was like a ratings trap. And then they stuck with that for a while. was. Yeah, the characters got, you know, stupider. Their personalities got more exaggerated. There's a term called flanderization, which refers to characters going wildly off what they were before. Of course, it's named after Ned Flanders, who started Absolutely, off as a yes. light, nebbish, you know, kind enough neighbor. And the joke was Homer hated him because he was so much better than Homer, despite, you know, <laughs> just being an ordinary guy. But then Think later on, his christianity Tingleberg. And, you know, yeah tingleberg was like that too but yeah uh over time ned flanders uh christianity was over exaggerated to the point where his character now is almost completely different from the ned flanders from like 1989 mm. so yeah that also happened of course with fairly odd pants cosmo got stupider wanda became more of a you know naggish shrew Timmy got noticeably very, very dumber, and the show overall just declined in uh, quality. And then, I, 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 I kid you not, they, they introduced actually, a female. No, they no, before a... that, before that, they actually pulled a Poochie from The Simpsons. They added a talking dog. Yep. As soon as I saw that, I thought of like the, oh, I yeah, Sparky. the Simpsons episode. <clears throat> Sparky, yeah. But every time I saw it, the first thing I thought of was the Simpsons with Poochie. I, I was like, you know, with Millhouse. When are they going to get to the firework factory? <laughs> you know, it, it really felt like that. They introduced this talking dog in this show and he completely took over the show and nobody liked him and exactly like Poochie, they got rid of him. They got rid of him like in the next season and they ceremoniously just gone. Yeah, yeah. It's not even like with Poochie, where at least Poochie on The Simpsons got I must go now. My planet leaves needs me. Whoop. Poochie died on the way to his home planet. And then (laughs) Crusty, he's dead. Yeah. They, they didn't even do that for the Philly Odd Parents. But then, yeah, they added a, uh, they added a, uh, you know, new girl on the show, Chloe, whose entire thing was that she shared Timmy's fairies. And by this time, the animation quality had completely fallen off a cliff. The last season of the Philly Odd Parents, bar none, is one of the worst-looking TV shows I have ever seen. This is like a flash animation from like 2002. There's it, no animation sometimes, actually, it, I've I know, noticed. I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It just declined 
so much. And it really is a shame because the show, for the most part, the first few seasons are really, really good. You can go back to them. You can have a good time. It's not my favorite Nickelodeon show, not by a long shot, but for oh, what absolutely. it is, it is cute. And it does have a lot of good moments. And, of course, Butch Hartman would still work for Nickelodeon. He pretty yeah. much was their uh, classy Cusmo of the 2000s in that no he kidding. was the main animator who worked for them. He gave us Danny Phantom, which is an awesome, awesome show. And we will discuss later on this year with the episode of uh, Fanning the Flames and Princess uh, Dorothy, which mm. would be a lot of fun. He made uh, Tough Puppy, which is a show that is best remembered for the insane amount of fan art of Kitty Catswell and her identical oh, twin God, sister. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But the actual show, I have never seen anybody discuss it. It's like the show. The only thing people discuss about the show the, is like the you know actual the you know cat girl spy character. That's all they talk about. They the, don't talk about that. They, they don't talk about tough puppy. You know, people talk. The only other thing I hear people talk about is that one really poorly designed character. Oh, the, the one that looks like the, their nose yeah, the is one a that hole she in has their a face. Giant hole in her face. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Because her yeah, face that is like shows... completely made wrong. Yeah, exactly. That that's the thing with also a Butch Harson's character design. It could be hit or miss. And the last thing he worked on was something called Bunsen is a Beast, which is a show I know nothing about. I, I don't think anyone knows anything about. And, Basically, yeah. do you like the Fairly Odd Parents screaming all the time? No? Oh well, you're about to be disappointed. <laughs> oh boy, no. that that, that sounds, sounds like fun. Oh, oh that boy. sounds like a lot of fun. But yeah, he then tried, uh, he left Nickelodeon, and then he quieted down for a while. He uh, basically did had a YouTube channel, did some drawings on Twitter. Then yeah. he tried making a streaming app that went absolutely nowhere, and by a lot of people's uh, admission, may have, I don't want to say anything, because again, libel, I don't want to get sued, so we'll just stop mm. it there. But let's just say he just made a streaming app, and it didn't go anywhere. It just completely, you know, loaded. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's Yikes. kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame because he is a talented creator, and he's still on Twitter and uh, YouTube yeah. and the like. So he even reacted to uh, one of the recent death battles, Danny Phantom versus uh, Jake Long. Spoiler Ooh, alert: was... Jake Long did not last very long. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, ghost powers though. But yeah, like I said, uh, it's a shame because he is a very uh, talented guy, and. Yeah, maybe he could actually get an actual show these days. So, now it is time for the uh, question of the episode, which is, uh, what is your favorite Nickelodeon show? Or, like, uh, Nickelodeon-based memories? And I'll go first, and my answer is going to be 100% obvious. It's SpongeBob. SpongeBob is the best Nickelodeon show. Avatar is good. Daddy Phantom is good. But, man... Like, like Spongebob is just, it's a show that is part of my DNA. I feel like 90% of my brain is made up to Spongebob references at this point. Because I feel like it's the first Mostly TV yes, show yeah. Yeah, I saw as a kid that really just clicked. And I actually first saw it when I was like four or five years old. I would apparently do some like, you know, dance in front of the TV to the Jellyfish Jam. And yeah, it is a show that for me really just defines, you know, my childhood. And I feel like SpongeBob as a whole, he's going to go down in history. He's going to be like Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and Scooby-Doo and that. He has carved a niche out in animation history. And I think that SpongeBob is going to stay relevant for a long, long time. Because, I mean, 
let's be honest, they are just so, so many funny classic moments. I mean, I, I still watch these episodes. I've seen them maybe like 5,000 times, and I still laugh at stuff like, you know, stuff like in the secret box. Nobody must know the secret of the secret box. Nobody, <laughs> not even like that. Squidward's house. Squidward's house. Okay, device yeah. device the episode is for me. I like the I like the one where like Sandy is homesick about Texas and like oh. uh, as they watch her go away, Patrick's like, "Who needs dumb old Texan?" She's oh, doing yeah. like some Texan. Classic. Like, what classic, did you say? as a Texan native, I can confirm that we are pretty dumb state. Yeah. yeah, I honestly like how unapologetic Patrick is for the most part. You can make the argument yeah, that he's, he's stupid, funny. but like he's he's he all, he is stubborn to a fault. Like there is one episode of SpongeBob where they're like inside pa- Sandy's house during hibernation, and uh, like they're doing Clash of the Idiots. Yeah, idiots. That's what it was. And, like doing Dirty Dan, and then all of a sudden it's like. Yeah, it's like Sandy wakes up and they're like beating each other with snow objects, and then he's like, "Which one of you fellers is the real Dirty Dan?" Uh, I am. He's just like, "Oh, <laughs> <that."> <laughs> oh god, oh god." Uh, that, that's classic. That's so yeah, classic. That is but yeah, that is definitely yeah, that, classic. That is hundred percent my pick is uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. It is a show that. I feel will always be eternal, and oh, even oh. though some people say that the uh, later seasons aren't that good, I'm sorry, I, I enjoy them. I-, I pretty much enjoyed all of SpongeBob, even the episodes that people say are bad. I feel that even one has something that that there's something to enjoy about every episode. I, I really do feel that way. It is perhaps not the perfect cartoon, but it is the cartoon I have the most amount of love for in my heart. Mm-hmm. To be honest, is okay. Yeah, that's right. So, what is your going to be, uh, Angron? Uh, I am sad. Okay, as much as SpongeBob ultimately has Mickey Mouse levels of, uh, or like Mario levels of uh, enjoyment and whatnot, I'm sorry. There is just no freaking way anything's going to top Avatar The Last Airbender. Hands down. Like, the clever writing, the emotional storytelling and whatnot... The characters, just I'm sorry. As much as much as I real, as much as uh, as much as SpongeBob ultimately really does have a lot of charm where it can count. It's ultimately SpongeBob that. Oh, nope, sorry. It's ultimately Avatar that won me o- over the most for Nickelodeon. And how could it not? I mean, I really had some fond memories for this. I didn't finish the series until, like, uh, middle school with the family and whatnot. But when I did, oh, man, it was epic. So much so that I was really excited for The Legend of Korra. And for the most part, it certainly held up. But The, rest, yeah. the last season was awful, I heard. Uh, yeah, last season certainly had a lot of stuff going for it that was not very great but i will say this uh it certainly had it certainly helped Cor- define cora as a character i will say that but yeah i'm sorry last airbender ultimately won it over for me i mean there are Absolutely. i mean invader zim certainly I, I didn't watch invader zim until i was like way way older and it honestly yikes i also thought of invasion of florpus which isn't amazing it was and also glitch tax 
Good lordy glitch text. That is certainly something that I would not forget. And in the past, I did, in fact, uh, frequent uh, Dora because Dora is, for the most part, pretty all right. But yeah, again, Avatar, Last Airbender, hands down the best Nickelodeon show. (laughs) I apologize for nothing. No, I understand. I definitely know understand where you're coming from there. It was something that was so different from you know the other fair that the show put out that I can tell it completely got an audience that normally probably would never have watched uh, Nickelodeon in their lifetime. And uh, I can mm. see that it made a lot. It probably was a lot of people's introduction to anime tropes. Probably when you get down to it. Honestly, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, tangent on that. What I personally consider an anime is just because it looks like an anime, talks like an anime, acts like an anime, probably is an anime from a certain country, but is not exclusively made in Japan, it ain't an anime. Oh, I'm no, sorry. I'm not, I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that it... Yeah, it, 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 it gave us some pretty interesting uh, people, anime tropes, which of, are certainly... Uh, yeah. It basically yeah. was an introduction to the type of style for them, basically. I feel like that... For the most might, part, you know, yeah might have actually caused people to, oh, I like Avatar, maybe I'll search out some other shows that are like it. So hmm, I feel like, in a way, work. it does uh, yeah. uh, it's place like that. So, also, uh, it's very weird. It's also very weird that uh, this gets compared to Shaolin Showdown, because Shaolin Showdown did, for the most part, come first, I think. But... It did, I'm yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry, but that was the precursor for what Last Airbender would be. I don't 100% buy that. You know, it feels a little too uh it feels a little too 80s or 90s. Oh yeah, Shaolin well, Showdown was more comedy oriented actually. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, who's next? Um Math Machine, what would you have to say? Uh, while I do acknowledge that Avatar is probably the best thing that Nickelodeon has ever done, my personal favorite has got to be Hey Arnold. Um, oh, yeah. I, I remember that. I'm a very like slow, methodical, thinky kind of show guy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm that one guy that actually watched Doug sue me. Uh, so Hey Arnold was oh, me just... too because I watched Doug too. Same here. I'll, I thought Doug was great. I never it saw was. Doug. I have not never heard that in the about it, but Honestly, yeah. cool. But yeah, so uh, Hair Arnold was just a really great show. It, it had some of the deepest, most introspective uh, episodes of any kids' show that's ever existed. Goddamn Pigeon Man is still held up there as oh, really God. high art. Oh, goodness. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, Pigeon beautiful. Man. Beautiful, beautiful. Nice, nice. Yeah. So yeah, uh, like, uh, cool. just if you... I've never seen a show like mm. that since. I think it's because just it was too slow for most people, and that's why it just never caught on with uh, a major wide audience like other shows. Yeah. You know, I think Pepper Ann is the closest I've ever got to like that sort of like you know setting. And keep in mind, this is Disney, and this was made by the same guy who did Codename Kids Next Door, which, again, favorite Cartoon Network show. Apologize for nothing, Steven Universe and Samurai Jack, but yeah, I, I Pepper Ann might be somewhat close even though its tone is somewhat different compared to hey arnold you know 
Yeah. It is more comedic, but it does have that similar kind Bond of to introspection to Pepper Ann herself. So yeah, I get you. Yeah, mm. it's like uh, it's like those kind of shows are ones that we don't really get anymore. Stuff like you know Doug or Hey Arnold or that. That was just kind of like slice of life stuff. Granted, yeah. you know, shows like a uh, Craig of the Creek or Steven Universe have elements of it, but it doesn't feel the same. It's just something I don't know about those original shows. You won't get those anymore because it just people demand other kinds of shows. It's like it's a yeah. cartoon. It's meant to be. Uh, to, it's not meant to be in reality. Yeah, Another it's issue really I meant think to is be reality. That, uh, and honestly, sometimes reality can be a little expectations versus reality is what yeah. is what is what. Uh, yeah, yeah expectation versus reality can yeah. suck. Anyway, yeah, I think another issue is so, that uh, in the modern era, uh, our comedy has just gotten super fast, super uh, quick. Uh, joke, 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 constant like that, like BoJack Horseman. Not that there's anything wrong with this style of comedy, but just the introspective show just cannot survive when this is the kind of comedy that's become expected as the norm. I mean, to be fair, we got shows like Bluey for that, so... Bluey is, is not fun, so... Uh, yeah, Blue yeah, Bluey has definitely had that sort of element to it, but it very much uh, has been able to survive because, like, again, it adds its own unique flair to it as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can tell Bluey was meant to be a family show. Yep, absolutely. Exactly. Yep. So, uh, anyway, um, so Striker, what would you have to say is your favorite? I might be in the 1% here. Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, yeah. I understand yeah. why you'd like that. Rocco I haven't seen it personally, had... but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have the full series on DVD, so. Nice. 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 I asked for it for Christmas. I watched through the whole series. I forgot why I love the series so fucking much. Rewatch it again. Forgot why again. Rewatch <laughs> it like Prince for Pete. Uh, an endless <laughs> loop. Yes, I mean, like exactly, I loved exactly. how I forgot why I loved it so much, and I remembered why while I was watching it. It was just so fucking beautiful. Yeah, I it was uh, really well done. Apparently, there's a the thing I remember about Rocco's Modern World was an episode where apparently Mrs. Croker or something like that was it's like this yeah, big head. Big yeah, Mrs. Head. Bighead was like uh, wanted company, invited Rocco over, and pretty much tried to seduce him into like a yeah. little. Yeah, that episode was banned for a while, actually. Oh you man, what's it called? I I forget what it's called. I forgot what it was too, but uh, I know which one you're talking about. It was one of the early episodes of season one. Rocco's Modern World. Okay, yeah. Modern I, Life. Rocco's Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. yeah, Mako's Modern Life. Let's see, season one. Let's see, no pain, no gain. Who get okay? Frogs, bedfellows. It's yeah, frogs. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'll check it out. Yeah. But yeah, the episode was banned for quite a while because of a uh, a lot of the adult references in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this is it. Nice. But yeah, uh, I, I definitely understand why you enjoy Rocco's Modern Modern Life. It's uh, certainly a unique show, and I think it was also made by the same person who did Camp Laszlo. Yes, know. it is. Joe Murray. Uh, Joe Murray, yep. Um, nice. The Rocco's Modern Life is pretty good. You can sell these oh, yeah, it too. was. 
Hell yeah, you can. The animation was perfect for the time as well. Yeah. In fact, it's still perfect now. Yeah, it's like mm. a nice mix. It's like a yeah. I can like definitely a coloring see book, sort of. Yeah, yeah, and the backgrounds too are really, really well done. And it had the Netflix special that, again, was a really nice uh, yeah. sequel to the show that actually kept the show's uh, themes while still updating it slightly. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they did a really good job of that. And uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say? I'll reiterate. I was a Cartoon Network kid. I didn't really watch too much Nickelodeon. I uh, the shows you watched, uh, which ones uh, did you uh, like? I, the ones I really have the fondest memories of, as in the memories that actually kind of exist. Uh, oh, okay. the show what they mentioned existed. last time. Okay, yeah. what uh, Nickelodeon show existed the most in your mind? Uh, honestly, Penguins. Nice. Penguins of Madagascar, of course. Yeah. That is actually a good one. Yeah, it was. That it makes was. sense. Had the had the team behind the movie, so I definitely helped out with it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it actually was a nice. Look. I actually was upset that the Penguins of Madagascar movie had nothing to do with the TV show. That really was kind of a missed opportunity, yeah. right there. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, kept it in that continuity, but they decided I mean, not to for whatever reason. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a shame. I mean, to be fair, Dragons got the same treatment, and I think yeah, I think Kung Fu Panda got the same treatment. I could be wrong. I could all I could be right. Who knows? All the DreamWorks shows got sent out. Puss in Boots got a show. Pretty much every single one for a while we're getting these spinoff shows, Monsters vs. Aliens. And then they just stopped. They just stopped doing that for some Monsters reason. Monsters vs. Aliens got own show. Yeah, it did. Unfortunately, <laughs> yep. I actually so, like that uh, movie. Hot take. No, oh, but I did, that. yeah. So, uh, yeah, now it is time for the uh, patent pending Dragonous Scale, where we review the uh, dragon from this episode. And I'm going to start, and I'm going to have to give her a pretty low score, even lower than last time. I'm going to give her a uh, 4 out of 10. I would really try to give her a 5 out of 10, but... But I would have to say that she really is just underused. She's not a character. She's a prop. The design is good. The actual, you know, shape of her is good. But the, but basically overall, I feel like her appearance is, I don't know. There's she's just too something basic. About her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's not a character. She's an obstacle. She's, a, she's basically she's, a plot point. No character, no real yeah. No, arc or no personality exactly. yeah she's yeah. just a dragon no, she's just there she is just there she and is it is kind of shame. and that is actually yeah. the lowest score i have given to a dragoness in i think a long time on this show so, but she's not really a character i'm sorry to say so yeah. and what would you have to give her i'd personally have to go just a little bit higher because well hmm okay so again She's more of an obstacle, and the fact that her gender is dubious, I'm, I am got my eye on you, fandom, in case you're wrong, but I will say this. Despite being an obstacle, and despite only having, like, one or so episode devoted, I will say that this dragon ultimately does nothing wrong. She doesn't detract from the, she doesn't detract from the episode, she doesn't add too much to it. Uh, I will say this, though, and she is 
she's she's basic but not in a way that's really offensive or for that matter uh does anything that's really wrong you know she's not doing anything she's not doing anything wrong she's just there she's ultimately a foil for that episode and it honestly she honestly does help add to the uh overall comedy and feel of the show so for that reason, I'm going to be just a tiny bit generous and give her a 5 out of 10. Not 6 out of 10, because that would mean, like, a she had a little too much. more of yeah, an yeah. impact other than, you know, what yeah. she did in yeah. the show. And all, and uh, I, I don't think this really ties in for the most part, but Mighty Mom and Dino Dad sort of also helped with that episode. So Yeah, that was I, a nice I, companion piece. Yeah, it, it gets brownie points for that, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to say five out of ten for uh, okay. the dragon. Okay, math machine. I'm gonna go five as well. Uh, the care, the design of this character is very much what I like about Western style dragons. It Butch Hartman is great at the less is more style, yeah. and it works with this. It, it's a very nice design dragon. It's it's just the baseline of what I like to see of Western design dragons in animation. That's why it gets a five. That's all I can give it. There is no character. There is no uh, personality. There's nothing else. It's just, oh, hey, this looks nice. Yeah, That's all you got. Yep, yeah. what you see is what you get, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Stryker, what would you have to give her? Um, I think I'll uh, stay consistent out at a five out of ten because, like, I I liked the uh, the comedy with the with the character. Honestly, like, such a serious character in a silly world, you know. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, how about uh, you, Look Evie? What do you have to give her? I guess mostly under ending. I I don't have no opinions of her. Okay. So. Uh... All right, I'll just uh, put you down as uh, N slash A in that case. Uh, if you could give her a score, what would you give her? Just out of curiosity. It'd probably be low, like under five. Okay. Oh, three out of ten or two out of ten? Three out of ten, I'd say. Okay. All right, so that is it for this week's episode. If you have any questions or if you want to gush about SpongeBob with us, you can uh, email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com or visit us online at Twitter.com slash FieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 1993 Jim Henson's Dinosaurs episode, Out of the Frying Pan. Until then, thank you guys so much for listening, and take care. Peace. 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 Adios. Thank you guys so much for listening.